This is right in the middle of Cleveland. Just a couple minutes walk from this. Here, there's a waterfall, beautiful outcrops of sandstone and shale, trees and ferns, a brook that actually babbles. Here, there's traffic and houses and concrete. They coexist side by side, but while everyone knows about this, hardly anyone knows about this. And according to some people, that needs to change, soon. Because Don Brook, Cleveland's secret stream, it isn't just pretty. Better access to and understanding of the brook could actually improve people's lives, maybe even save some. On this episode of Watershed, that's right, the watershed, Don Brook. So here at Watershed, we always plan to do an episode about Doan Brook. After all, it's the reason our show has the title it does. Doan Brook is the one natural thing that ties together all the neighborhoods we cover, Buckeye, Mount Pleasant, and Woodland Hills. They're all a part of the same watershed, meaning when it rains in any of those places, the water ends up in Doan Brook. And the state of the brook, beautiful yet a little neglected, it also reflects the state of those neighborhoods. They're at a watershed moment in their histories where they need attention fast so they can thrive. A few years ago, I used to live right next to Doan Brook, but I didn't even know it was there. As I drive up busy Fairhill Road to my apartment, I was always aware there was something back there in the woods at the side of the road, but I didn't know what. And that's a lot of people's relationship with Doan Brook. Most people don't know about it, and if they do, they don't pay much attention. Big deal, a stream. Then, years after I moved away, I heard there was this really beautiful trail through a gorge full of boulders and deer and a waterfall. Basically, I had a secret Narnia right in my backyard, and I never knew it. So I called up Tori Mills and asked her to show me around. Tori is the director of the Donebrook Watershed Partnership. And she's all about getting people to care more about this little stream. So what do you have in mind for us? Well, the section of Dome Brook that we're about to hike is, it's kind of the highlights tour. <laughs> Plus, down in the gorge, it's just extremely quiet, peaceful, an oasis in an urban, hectic scene, right? So I hear there's a waterfall. There's a beautiful waterfall, yes. A natural that one? A natural feature, exactly. Okay. And, and We're also joined by Katie Kirtley a retired post office worker who just got hired to do some public outreach for the partnership. Can I get some coffee? Yeah. Okay, I need I, something to drink. Yeah. <laughs> Katie lives in the neighborhood off Buckeye Road, and like me, she's never been on this hike before. We're both more city people. I'm wearing old hiking boots with laces that won't stay tied, and Katie is stylishly dressed in a blue blouse, short pants, and scarf to ward off mosquitoes, she says. The most fashionable know. hiker in I the know. watershed. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm just, because then I might get bit. I got bit uh, the other day. She wants to learn more so she can teach other people. 
Should we get out there? Should we get yeah. down in there? Okay. And it's I like think your strings, you're not gonna trip, are you? Yeah, I might. Mean, well, they no, they just tend to be a little sloppy, but they I'll, long. Maybe, I'll okay. keep an eye on them. I'll, okay. Thank you. We'll pull him out of brook when he falls in. Yeah. <laughs> Lake to Lakes Trail. As the three of us walk along busy Fairhill Road, Tori Mills tells us why it's important that more people know about Donebrook in general and the gorge hike in particular. She says there's a ton of research that being out in nature can reduce people's risk of illness, mental, physical, pretty much anything, from Alzheimer's disease to diabetes to ADHD, all from just seeing leaves and squirrels and hearing birds chirping. Just as an example, one study from Stanford University a couple years ago compared the brains of people who walked in nature with the brains of people who walked along a busy highway. They looked at the particular part of the brain associated with depression. In the hikers' brains, that area lit up way less. And those benefits may be especially important in the city neighborhoods around the gorge. Buckeye, Mount Pleasant, and Woodland Hills. Poverty rates are 50% or more in those places, and a lot of people suffer from high blood pressure and diabetes. Uh, urban parks, everyone understands, are critical to healthier neighborhoods. And so making sure that this tremendous resource is realized by people around us is, is critical. If you think about the 70 square miles or so between the Cuyahoga River and, I guess, Euclid Creek, this is really the only green space in a very, very densely urban area. The only green space for 70 square miles. That really hits me. When these neighborhoods were built back in the early 1900s, Cleveland was growing so fast that nobody thought much about parks. It was all about cramming in as many houses and as little space as possible. Only the woods around Doan Brook survived. The only place for miles around where us city dwellers can get a workout outside a gym or a busy road. In here, this is, this is our chance to really get our heart pumping uh, in a setting that is not a treadmill at the gym with CNN blaring above us. You know? <laughs> There's a secondary benefit to getting your daily step count in the great outdoors. The more people see the stream, the more they'll care about it. And the more they care about it, the more they'll want to keep it clean and that is good not just for the brook, but for the place where the brook ends up, Lake Erie, 18th largest freshwater lake in the world, source of drinking water for 11 million people, home to one of the richest fish populations in the Great Lakes. Right about where you see the, our little sign, Dome Brook, ours to protect, that is where the stream is crossing underneath the road. So. Um, yeah, we'll see the stream in about two seconds. And the bridge, as you see it... And then all of a sudden, there we are. You can see it. Oh my goodness, look at this. It really is like entering another world, just a few yards away from the road. Yeah, it is quiet, serene. We walk deeper into the woods along a trail, up and then down. You'd have no idea that you were in the middle of a city right now. Look at that. Mm -hmm. 
I don't have any snakes in either. <laughs> That's a question we get a lot. Okay. <laughs> and bears. I need my stick. To like kill the snake, you mean? No, just to flick it somewhere. And then the grand finale. Is that the waterfall? You hear it? Yes. That's it. Oh yeah. If, if they didn't believe there was the gorge, they definitely didn't believe there was something as pretty as the waterfall. It cascades over some ledges and splashes down into a deep, clear pool. That's beautiful. <laughs> it is, and it's probably at its lowest point that I've seen all year. So many times you don't see any of the rock behind the waterfall. It's, it's all white water. Wow. As we finish up our hike, we head up a side trail back to Fairhill Road. Well, I'm climbing up a hill and I have a stick. <laughs> but it's a it's very good exercise. I feel refreshed. And um, I know it's a cardio. My cardio is on. Because <laughs> I'm breathing hard. And uh, this is good exercise. Okay, where you gotta go? Where how you get up? It's really steep though. Well, is there another one down the way? No. <laughs> she no, like, no, this is it. We emerge from the tree line, back out onto Fairhill Road in the modern world. The woods all but vanish behind us. Here we are. Ooh, very invigorating. No. <laughs> Yeah, this is something. I didn't even know this was back here. Yeah, how many times do you think you've driven past right here without oh, knowing? Thousands. <laughs> thousands of times. I always looked over. Like, we used to go to the um, doctor's office right there at Fairhill. Took me like, what, 40 years to find out what's over here? How about that? Hmm. A few weeks after our hike, a guy named Dudley Edmondson comes to town. He's a nature advocate from Duluth, Minnesota, and the author of Black and Brown Faces in America's Wild Places. I just love the outdoors and always have and always will. He's here to give a series of talks about diversifying public parks and nature equity, the idea that everybody, regardless of income level, race, ethnicity, needs access to natural places to feel healthy. He says, as a kid growing up with alcoholic parents, nature for him was a refuge. But being black, that wasn't something that a lot of his peers understood or accepted. I'm Yule Gibbons. They used to call me a, an old guy named Yule Gibbons, and you'd have to be my age, born in the 60s, to, to know who that was, but he used to be a pitch man for grape nut cereals. And he was an old white guy, and he would always say, did you know many parts of this plant are edible? Did you know goldenrod makes an excellent tea? The kids in my neighborhood used to tease me and call me Yul Gibbons because I liked nature. I collected uh, bees and praying mantises, and, uh, you know, I did all kinds of things that most of the kids thought were nerdy or they thought were stupid things that white people did. 
Of course, I don't usually eat it in a bowl like this. Usually I eat it in my shoes. He says the idea that natural places like the Donebrook Gorge aren't really for black people, that has deep roots. I think for people of color or people not in the dominant culture, I believe there's probably some level of um, feeling that, that things don't necessarily belong to them, that, that things in this country uh, belong to the dominant culture. So, you know, if there is no one living on it, it probably is owned by either a white person or the city officials, but it, the, most, the most important thing is it's not yours. Dudley Edmondson still grapples with that feeling in his own life, even though he's someone who goes out into nature for a living. Even now as an adult, I still uh, do not really access land that I'm not 100% sure who the owner is. I live in northern Minnesota. There's a lot of public land, a lot of private land, and I will look for signage before I will step onto to land. And, and when I talk about that with my white friends, you know, a lot of times they just don't quite get it uh, because they just figure that if they go on the land and the landowner comes out, they'll just explain themselves and everything will go fine. And as a, as a black man, I think, well, First, you'll see the shotgun, and then you'll hear the bullets flying, and then you'll have to try to figure out a way out of that situation. He says that perceived lack of access, that's the real origin of the old stereotype that black people just aren't interested in hiking or the woods. If people don't know something exists, then maybe that also creates a lack of interest because they don't even know about it, uh, or they don't know how to recreate in that space, or they don't know how to access it. When it comes to the Donebrook Gorge, the solution, he says, is just to make it really obvious that it's a park, as in open to everyone. You really need to put out a welcome mat. People of color who've traditionally been excluded, um, you know, for one reason or another, you need to tell them in big, bold letters that they're welcome to this space, because otherwise they're not going to come. I'm not saying put out a sign, black people welcome. I'm saying, though, that, that do it in a way where the message is communicated, they understand that this is a public space and they're more than welcome. And uh, having uh, staff of color uh, also to be part of that welcoming party, I think would be very helpful. That welcoming, he says, shouldn't be about getting black people to think nature is cool. It should be just about making sure everyone has the chance to discover how both stimulating and healing it can be to tramp through fallen leaves with sun on your skin and just the sound of birds and water in your ears, telling you that your problems, maybe they can be solved, that the world will go on, and most important, that you belong. For Watershed, I'm Justin Glanville. Watershed is produced by Sidewalk, telling the story of people and place. And it's made possible by a grant from the St. Luke's Foundation. Sound design and recording is by Angie Hayes. Our editor is William Bostwick. And our story consultant is Don Arrington. Our music is by DJ Doc Harrell and the kids at Refresh Collective, with additional music this episode by Ketza. Check out photos and written versions of our stories online 
at OurSidewalk.com. That's OURSidewalk.com. And keep in touch with us by following Sidewalk on Facebook. Drop us a note to let us know what you think, give us a review, or just say hi. Until next time.